Am I making any sense? Welcome to another episode of Am I Making Sense? I'm here with poet, producer, performer, and last but not least, amateur wedding planner for squirrels, Mike McGee. That's, that's correct. Those Mike, are all correct so things. Yeah. Well, the third one's important. The third yeah. one's important. Um, I've been involved with some uh, chipmunk softball leagues, intramural chipmunk softball leagues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and it's important mm -hmm. that we don't forget about our small forest animals. You can't. You it's can't. not right. It wouldn't be right. No, it would not be good. Not so, cool. um, Mike, we, we know each other. We bump into each other. We rub elbows from time to time. We, we tend to frequent the same buildings yes. often. We do. We mm -hmm. do. But we've never had a proper sit down. So for me, this is like a podcast long time coming. Um, I know we talked about it some time ago, but scheduling and whatnot. But here we are. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. Um, interesting times. Interesting times to be on the podcast. To say the least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and we'll get into all of that. But I think um, what I want to do is I want to go through the three P's and... I think the best start place to start is the poet. Yeah, um, I mean, it's, it's definitely the most encompassing. I think so. I think so. So talk to me a little bit about the origin story. When was it? At what point in your life did you say, okay, this <clears throat> is a discipline that feels really good doing and mm -hmm. it speaks to me to the point that I'm going to follow it with the kind of passion and commitment that it's taken to get you uh, to where you are now in the, um, both as a poet and in the poetry scene and being mm -hmm. poet laureate. Right. Uh, so, um, it started, uh, in, well, I used to loiter out in front of a, uh, coffee shop in Campbell, California. And, What's the uh, name? uh, it, it was at the time it was Campbell coffee roasters. Okay. At the prune yard. Okay. Um, and, um, and then it became, um, why am I blanking now? It became. Um, Prune Yard's changed a lot. I feel a like lot. a lot of the, uh, most of the shops there have changed over in the last five years, except for Easily. the brewery. Yeah, except for Rock Bottom. Rock Bottom. And I remember I, now, so to give you an idea, I started hanging out there February of 1995. Okay. So it was about, uh, about six months after I graduated from high school, me and some friends started loitering there. Okay. And I mean loitering to the yeah. point where by that summer, summer of 95 into summer of 96, like over the course of that next year, year and a half, I never left. I wow. lived in Alviso at the time or Sunnyvale, okay. Alviso areas. Um, and I would get on a bus. I'd go all the way out to Prune Yard and I would sit there and loiter. For those mm. of you listening who have no idea what those distances are, it's not that far, mm. but it's, it's several miles. It's several miles by transit. Yeah. And, um, and I would just loiter all day long. And uh, over time, I started to get to know, um, oh, Coffee Society. It became Coffee Society for like the okay. last 15 yeah, years. Yeah, I remember that existence. name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they just shut down a couple of years ago. Right. Um, but anyhow, um, I... I loitered there and met so many of my closest friends to date. Okay. And uh, many of them were, they were all artists in some way. 
Okay. Uh, most most of them were writers, and okay. uh, me being a writer, them being writers or burgeoning writers anyway, uh, rookies, noobs. Um, my my dear friends, uh, Jeff Archuleta, okay, uh, who got me to start writing screenplays with him. Um, well, I guess I had already been writing screenplays. He'd been writing screenplays, but we decided to start writing them together. Okay. Um, I was really into short stories and screenplays. Then my friend David Perez convinced me that I could and should consider writing poetry. Okay. Um, <clears throat> David uh, is still a dear friend of mine. As a matter of fact, this weekend I'm supposed to officiate his wedding. Oh, um, nice. uh, yeah. Uh, many, many years later, here we are. Um, and he's the, he was poet laureate two poets before me. Okay. County. So two homies who met as, you know, in our late teens, early twenties, yeah. uh, went on, both went on to become the poet laureate, poets laureate of. Santa wow. Carolina. Um, and then my buddy, Jeff Trenchard, a whole other Jeff, um, mm -hmm. started going to an open mic in downtown San Jose at a cafe downtown that was called Cafe Babylon. Okay. And he started going to this open mic. It was a mixed open mic called Baka Talk. Uh, I, Baka is Japanese for crazy. Um, uh, and so we, he started going to Baka Talk. Okay. And uh, we, um, he slowly convinced me to leave my chair mm -hmm. at Campbell Coffee Roasters to come into the, the seedy underbelly of, the, of Santa Clara County, yeah. downtown San Jose and uh, start doing poetry. Uh, so David got me to write poetry. Jeff got me to perform it. Um, okay. and, and, they, and they both just wanted me to go and do stand-up. Uh, ah. They were like, you know, you need to get on the mic. You need to go yeah. and do stand-up comedy. And so I started doing stand-up and it was, at a, it was at this open mic at Baca Talk where I finally heard all my friends perform poetry for the first okay. time. And I was mesmerized. Okay. Uh, and so that, that, that launched me doing poetry and comedy at the same time. And okay. so they eventually diverged and I would go to San Francisco and hit up some open mics there from time to okay. time for comedy. And I would stay in, in downtown San Jose to do poetry. And uh, eventually I moved to downtown um, and got really involved with all the poetry events going on in the area mm -hmm. of which there weren't that many at the time. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, so that's what got me into poetry and what okay. kept me in it was uh, poetry slam, uh, okay. which is a competitive poetry, um, yeah. timed, timed poems, um, very performative, very sort of boastful and, uh, and bodacious. Okay. Um, and I, I stuck with that and um, that I, I started going to the national poetry slam in uh, 2000, 2001. I went okay. to the, my first national poach slam. And then yeah. in 2003, I, I, I went and competed and uh, I won the national championship for solo for individual poets. Nice. Um, and, then in, um, and then I started touring. Okay. Uh, I, I basically lived on the road for off and on for 11 years. Wow. And, yeah. Well, okay. So let's, let's, there were so many good nuggets in there. Let me, if you don't mind, can we rewind back to... Yeah. When you started loitering at um, the coffee shop in Campbell at the Prune Yard, um, so you were already a writer. So in high school, mm -hmm. at some point, you said, I like writing screenplays and I like writing short stories. Yeah. So there was a feeling of, uh, I guess, 
fulfillment while you were doing that. So when was, you were actually lawyering, was that a situation where you would get together with other writers and you would be spitballing working on stories? Or was it literally just you in your head typing there and sometimes you would bump into someone and have a conversation? How did that look? Uh, the latter, the latter. Okay. Uh, I, would write, I would write rap lyrics and there was one kid at school I could share him with because he was the only one who also wrote rap lyrics. Okay. Um, there was all throughout high school, like, like everyone knew I was a writer and I would yeah. write little one act plays and, and okay. little skits and stuff in my theater class. I was also an actor. So I was okay. in, I was in all the, I was in all the, the, the dramatic productions at my school, Willow Glen okay. High School. Um, and, uh, so I, I was a very busy kid, um, uh, who did not like homework at all. Okay. And you like the act of doing things. Not yes. being given a syllabus and say, okay, yeah. now plan to do this, plan to do that. It's like, no, no, I'm down with writing. I just want to be on my computer typing out things yeah. all day. My whole life, I've always been very interested in learning. I've always been very interested in educating myself. But okay. it has to be something that I'm really interested in. But if, I, if right. I'm interested in it, I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to do my very best to excel at it. You That's know? interesting. Um, I see so, so many parallels with the way you think and the way I think because – scholastically academically i didn't have it but i was a pit bull on things that i was curious about yeah some of those things panned out and being very good for me and other things it's kind of i guess over time it just it just it petered out or whatever yeah um so that answers another question that was coming up you have experience um in theater and acting because one of the things that I was going to bring up at some point in our conversation is your stage presence is so amazing. And, and Thank you. without saying, without getting too sentimental, like it's very inspirational. Any night where I get to see you go up, I go, oh, I get to see Mike McGee. Because number one, what you write is always fresh. I, I don't think I've ever seen you repeat an act, quote unquote. Every time I see you, it's something unique that you're riffing on, but it's so well put together and it's delivered really well that I don't know the poet, poetry world and I don't know poetry slam. Obviously, when you've come up in conversation, people say, yeah, you know, as far as poetry slam, like McGee's the man, this, that, and the other. And so I go, okay, well, some of the performance aspects must be spilling over into stand-up comedy. But now that I know you had kind of a twin birth there for stand-up comedy and poetry, it seems like the two have just been this synergetic thing that's been, um, you know, pulling you through both stand-up and poetry for all these years. Yeah. Um, so touring, what year did you start touring? And tell me all about that. Because I think, you know, a guy like me, I, I'll never tour for, well, I shouldn't say, I'll, I shouldn't be using words never, but circumstances, more or less, I'm going to be the open mic guy who's, you know, going to dive bars and doing my act or whatever for a long time, but there's a certain, uh, I guess you'd call it romance when you think about going out on the road and performing. Talk to me about that. Yeah. Did it live up to your expe expectations? Did it oh, spoil yeah. you in some ways? Did it uh, oh, yeah. ruin things for you? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all, all of the above. All of the above. Um, uh, I, I would never go back out on the road the way I did. Okay. Um, um, How old were you when you first went out on the road? 27. Okay. I was, I was 27. So it was right. 2003. All right. Um, I started getting, so when I won the national poetry slam, uh -huh. um, you have to understand that, that unlike, so, so performance poets and comedians, especially at the time lived a very similar life where you, 
you went out on the road and you hit up every venue you could. Right. Um, and except with, with poetry, you, all you needed was a 15 minute set mm-hmm. in order to get paid to perform it. Mm-hmm. So if you had a 15 minute set, which was basically three to five poems uh, uh, of varying lengths, uh, performative poems, Mm-hmm. Um, you were, you were basically a viable headliner, right? Oh, for it. Poetry Slam. Okay. okay. So unlike comedy, which hasn't really changed all that much over the mm-hmm. last 20 years, um, in, in terms of how things are done, mm-hmm. um, you, in poetry and in, in the Poetry Slam circuit or performance poetry circuit, I should say, because you could mm-hmm. do open mics or you could do poetry slams. Those are pretty much interchangeable when it came to headliners okay. and features. Um, uh, you would do a 15-minute set or a 30-minute set, depending on how much work you had mm-hmm. uh, compiled, and um, you'd get paid anywhere from 25 to 75 bucks for doing those poems. Mm-hmm. And the beauty of it was that there was a poetry slam in pretty much every city. Mm-hmm. Pretty much every city or town had a poetry slam, either kind of like now, like at a cafe or a bar or a mm-hmm. restaurant or what have you. Kind of like the way comedy open mics are nowadays, mics and, right. and showcases. So if you can imagine an, a poetry slam where people sign up, they compete, they got maybe three minutes or two rounds, three minutes right. each, where they're going to perform a poem and the audience is going to judge them and hold up scores, zero to oh, ten. Okay. And so the, the best ones advance and locally the ones that advance uh, usually end up also then making the local team. The local team then goes to the national poetry slam. Um, There's no real right. Other than they won a slam or they accrued enough points to get onto a team. Okay. Other than that, like it's, it's, it's super, it's really just arbitrary. Every, every okay. bit of it is just very arbitrary because okay. the judges are different each from night to night. You know, uh, most slams are there, held. Yeah. Night. There's no rubric, which with to judge poetry. None. None. Yeah. Uh, so the, um, the rubric generally we'd say is like, go, you know, judge them based on how much you enjoyed the written work and the okay. performance. Um, and so look at the performance, look at the written work and come up with a score for those, okay. those two, those two things. And that's about it. Okay. Um, and, uh, so you would, so I would, I, I, I got to the national poetry slam via team San Jose. I made the mm-hmm. team in the fall or the, the spring of 2003. I made the team. Okay. It was uh, a lot of work because I had to keep coming and slamming and trying to get points to make it to the semifinals and, you know, so on and so forth. I made it, I got on the team and then my, uh, and then there was the, the top 10 individual scores at the nationals. Mm. I was the 10th. I was the very bottom of the top Mm. 10. Okay. And so I got into the individual finals. Okay. Um, Well, the individual finals that year was held in a, a rock venue Standing room only. It was 1,100 people were packed into this venue, huge, in Chicago. This was this was held in Chicago. Okay. And um, I'm sorry, I just snapped the arm of my chair. So oh no, loud. I hope no, 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 no. Pull out the duct tape. It clicked. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Just just so you know what that sound was, in case it's very loud in the audio. No, Um, it didn't come through that bad. So uh, Chicago, 2003. I win the national individual title. Okay. And 
in front of 1,100 people, most of which I would say 75% of those people were, uh, well, maybe 50% of those people were probably all, they were all Poetry Slam folks from all over the country, right? They ran Poetry Slams in mm. their venues. So I get home from Chicago. Oh, cool story. This is one of yeah. my favorite stories. Um, flying home from Chicago um, with my trophy and my check and my, you know, yeah. a whole new, like, people people in the bay area knew who i was but now yeah. people throughout the country knew who i was right you know? coast that was to coast weird. it was like yeah. overnight you know yeah um and so <clears throat> and now i just just so my head has it straight so you qualified 10th here to make no, no, the no, no, team no. Oh. 10th at the at the nationals in the preliminary bouts Got team it. preliminary bouts we okay. each performed solo Okay. And so, um, so I would perform and my score would be added to the team score. But if oh, my okay. score was high enough or if Got I it. won my bout, if I had the highest score in my bout, that, that gave me a rank to get into the individual championship. Oh, right? okay. So it was a team right. championship, but from the team championship, they excised the top 10 yes. performers okay. of the whole event. Okay. Right? So my team made it into semis and we, yeah. got, we got slayed in semis. Okay. Um, but then uh, I made it into individual. I understand now. Okay. So it's you're on the plane. It's confusing if you've never been there. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, I'm on the plane and there's a, somewhere over the Midwest, there was a thunderstorm, a lightning storm. Okay. And it was above the clouds. And it was, I've never seen anything like it. It was probably about two or three miles below us. Whoa. And I, I was looking out the window and it's clear as day where we uh -huh. are. But yeah. below us is a thunderstorm raging. And there's lightning rippling across the clouds, like a spider web of lightning. It was yeah. the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. Ooh. And it was just this weird sort of, it was kind of ominous, like seeing yeah. that, seeing this incredible beauty yeah. and, and, and getting home and then checking my email. And I have, I hadn't checked it the whole time I was in Chicago. Right. And I had a hundred, 120 email messages waiting for me. Wow. Saying, please come to our venue. We would love to book you. You know, oh. and so all these venues all over the country, all over uh, parts of Europe, parts of Canada, they were yeah. all asking me to come to their venue and be their headliner. Wow. And when I had left, the guy who took second the, the uh. night I won is, was a very good friend of mine named Shane, okay. um, who's a very well-known slam poet, yeah. um, performance poet. Um, if you go on YouTube, he's got a video called to this day and it's about, it's an animated film about bullying and it's got a, there's a poem with some really beautiful music to this okay. day by I Shane Koizan. Yeah. Okay. If you just type in to this day, you'll find it. It's, okay. I think it's got 25 million views. Okay. Um, it's, um, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's stunning. So when I asked him, I was like, well, what do I do now that I've won this championship? He goes, dude, hit the road. He goes, you get to do this for the rest of your life now. Wow. And I was like, huh. And so there was this moment of like, oh, does that mean like this industry is going to come grab me and pull mm. me in and these people yeah. are going to constantly ask me to do stuff? And it's like, no, I still have to do the work. I still yes. have to like, I still have to get my name out there. I still have to get my face out there, get my work out there. Yeah. But that made it a lot easier. That was a great jumping yeah, uh, uh, a great launch pad, you know, right. Um, you were given that. a frame, you were given yeah. a frame by with which people could say, Oh, I understand what he is and what he's yeah. all, all about. I, I, I recently watched this documentary about street performers. And they did this experiment where um, they took this guy, he was a solo, a violin soloist. Mm -hmm. And 
the night before he had been playing to a crowd where each person in the crowd paid at least $300 to see him. Wow. And then he went and did street performance the next day in um, the New York subway. Mm. And after about four hours of performing, he had like $15 or something like that. Oh yeah. Violinist. Uh, a violinist. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, I mean, I, I, yeah, he's one of the world's most renowned violinists playing yes. a Stradivarius. Yes, playing that's a Stradivarius right. Stradivarius violin. Yes. He's playing a $3.2 million violin. Yes. And, like he, and he made something like $15. And so the, yeah. basically the point they were trying to make is the technical ability, the passion. It's like the street performers have it, but they don't necessarily have the frame. So when you won right. that competition, basically you were anointed with the frame and you had a credential that now said, sure this guy get this guy right yeah 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 and and it was uh it it was one of the most emotional periods of my life too because okay. i like i had just gotten fired from a job making oh. copies at a okay. copy at a copy shop yeah. um in downtown san jose that okay. place has gone out of business since All right. um but so there i am making copies yeah um I get fired because I'm late every day because I hate right. working for someone else. Oh, yeah, and yeah. within a week I win the U S championship and I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm supposed to do this. Right. Maybe this is the thing I'm supposed to do. And so yeah. I spent the next 11 years trying to prove that that's, Oh, okay. This, they were right to make me the champion. Cause now I'm going to go around and I'm going okay. to, I'm going to try to push uh, performance poetry as far and as wide as I possibly can and make something mm. of myself, you know, yes. and, and not work for somebody else ever again, you know? Okay. Uh, that was the idea anyway. Sure. And so my, you know, I had a lot of theater training, a lot of comedy training and a lot of poetry training right. by that point. And so I hit the road as a guy who could like just entertain people for 45 minutes, yeah. you know, like, like that was kind of the idea was that I was going to go out there and I was just going to, yeah, I'm going to read some poems, sure. Yeah. But I'm going to be Mighty Mike McGee. That's right. what I'm that's what I'm striving for. I'm just going right. to go out there and I'm going to be Mighty Mike McGee and anyone who wants to book me can. It doesn't right. It doesn't matter if you like poetry cuz I'm going to do poetry and you're probably going to like it. Yeah. You know, like that's that was the idea is that I'm trying to go I'm trying to go out there and be be everyone's first poet. You know. Ah, I understand that. Yeah, mentality. Yes. You, you you wanted to be a gateway dr uh, not a gateway yeah gateway drug yeah, i guess gateway drug, if you will sure yeah poetry performance poetry 101 you know yeah. like like uh you know i can't tell you how many times i've had people come up to me after shows and go you know don't really care much for poetry but man you were great you yeah. know like cool awesome i right. can now name 12 other people you should check out because you liked what i did yes you know i know someone you're gonna like even more than me yeah you know? Cause I know everyone in the poetry scene at that right. point, you know? Um, but just like comedy, just uh -huh. like any performative art, uh, it's fickle, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I started drinking really heavily on the road. Uh, a lot uh. of like, uh, I was on tour and a couple of friends of mine died while I was on tour oh. and it was, and I couldn't be there. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't there. Uh, and then I went back out on the, I, you know, came home for their funerals. Yeah. Uh, and then like went back out on the road and just started drinking more and more heavily. Yeah. And, um, I just really, I hit a real downward spiral. Things were moving so fast. You couldn't, I guess, process some of the stuff that was going on. I, I just didn't, I really learned how to make myself unavailable. You know, yeah. like the road was more, the road was 
the most important destination, not yeah. the not the journey, not right. where I was going to, but just the road itself, being out there touring. You know, yeah. Mike McGee is a touring poet. Mike McGee is a hobo. Yeah. Like, I, those are things that I was very proud of being able to say. Right. The, 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 the few times I rode first class on flights, you know, because yeah. of a, a cheap upgrade or whatever, you know, right. or I got bumped up somehow. Yeah. You know, at one point on, on United Airlines or U.S. Airways, I had like, like 200,000 miles on, United, wow. on U.S. Airways. Like I flew, a, I flew way too much. Yeah. Um, I had at one point halfway into my touring, I had a box full of all of my plane tickets, train tickets, bus tickets, you name yeah. it. Um, anything that had to do with passage. Yes. Uh, I had, I had a, I had the copy of it in a box. I had kept okay. it. Yeah. And um, when I finally moved into a place, I moved to the East coast for a little while. Okay. And uh, Massachusetts, Worcester, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, and uh, at one point I, I, I set it all on fire. I, I lit it, mm. like, had a little bonfire of all my, my, my nice. travel tickets. Cause I realized nice. that like basically touring was probably going to kill me. Yeah. You know, like sounds it was, like it, it was, it was rough. It was rough. I mean, I could tell you times about sleeping at grand central station, uh. <laughs> you know, I could tell you about times, you know, of getting on a sweaty, sweaty Greyhound, uh, in Nacogdoches, Texas, on my way to Shreveport, Louisiana, mm. uh, and literally stepping over people sleeping uh, mm. across, like m almost everybody on the bus was down to their underwear. It was so hot on that bus. Uh, uh, it was the most wild, one of the most wild bus trips I've ever had. But everybody uh, was cool. Everybody was yeah. fine. It was just the windows were beaded with moisture. Like it was so uh, hot on that bus at three in the morning. That sounds uh, very gross. A handwritten bus ticket because the there was no bus depot. It was just a convenience store that was of that was authorized to sell Greyhound tickets, and they yeah. still did it by hand. Wow! Uh, this is like two thousand and eight. You know, <laughs> like, that's crazy. Not that long ago, but it was so backwoods. You yes. Know? Wow. Now, when this was happening, did you find it uh, that it um, inspired your work? Or yeah. helped create more work? It did? Okay. Oh, yeah. Very so the so. suffering was, I guess, a fertile yeah. ground for writing. And it's not really fair for me to say that, there was, that it was suffering uh, the, the, the beginning, the first half of it. The first okay. half of it was good until right up until uh, Obama's election, 2008. Okay. And then I got really, I started getting really depressed okay. uh, in a way that I'd never been before. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of it was that the road had just finally gotten to me after okay. five years of just constant movement, Yeah. sleeping on couches, hotels, uh, uh, floors, you know, bus stations. Yeah. Um, there were times where I would like all the sleep I got was on whatever mode of transit I took to get to the next gig. You know, like I'd get on a bus and just go to sleep and I'd wake yeah. up and go do a show. Yeah. Oh, no. And then I, and then the next and then either later that night or the next morning, I'd get on another bus or a train or a plane and just get three, four hours of sleep and then be ready for the next show. You know? you're, you're almost in dream mode. Almost. Yeah. Almost. But it got to the point where I could perform a poem. I could perform for 30 minutes and not really think about what I was saying. Um, and I could like look around the room and like insert things that were happening in the room into the poem. 
you know, and like, and that would just become part of it. So like, my, you had the telekinesis that I hear comedians talk about sometimes where it's literally like a flick of a finger or you see it, you hear a tap of a glass and you know how to either rev that joke up or yeah. throttle it back or yeah. just things start happening in the room that you automatically through ESP or something knew how to handle it. I'm telling you to this day, Matthew, oh. to this day, as, as a host of many, many shows here in San Jose, yeah. I can hear a yawn from the venue across the street. You know, wow. like it's, it's crazy. Um, you have, but it's, it's a really great skill to have. And so here's all this time on the road, all yeah. this time where my sets were, if I had 10 minutes, I did at least, you know, I'd come on stage and with the goal of like, make them laugh first, make them laugh first mm. or show them what you can do verbally. Right. Okay. So I would do my most like energetic poem. Right. Yeah. Just to, just to just clear the room, you yeah. know, clear the room of whatever energy was there, you know, and get people looking at me um, yeah. or tell a joke, get them on my side, you know. Yeah. Um, and then poem, humor, poem, humor, poem, humor, close it out with what at the time was my most impressive piece, you know, okay. which changed over the years, you know, yeah. um, depending on what new stuff I'd written. But there were poems that I performed where I never actually wrote them down. These were just poems that I built on stage over time. Okay. Uh, that were like, this is meant to be banter, but now it's an actual piece, you know? Okay. Um, and I got, you know, I spent several thousand hours on stage on the road, you know? Wow. And but getting to know different regions, getting to know different states and cities, you know, yeah. and falling in love with places, falling in love with people. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I have like most of my exes have never been to California. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That, that you were, you were a rock star. That was a no. rock and roll. No, I was a, uh, I was a traveling, uh, uh, I was a traveling bard, you know, a bard. There we go. Yeah. I like that. Uh, it was, That's a good it was, one. It was, uh, my job was to entertain people, get them to think, get them to feel something, get them to laugh, yeah. enjoy the, enjoy the, you know, enjoy themselves. You know, they, they probably spent five bucks to get in. Yeah. Uh, some of them spent nothing to get in and they left right. feeling like they got their money's worth, you know, yeah. or, or more, you know, and that was, that was my whole purpose. That was, that was everything. But, but I also like, there was this massive network of people that were involved with putting on these events yeah, uh, or performing in them alongside me, you know? Yeah. And I, I have, I have a, a, a wealth of people that I can reach out to across Canada, across the U S mm -hmm. like I've seen more of Canada than most of my Canadian friends have, you know, wow. uh, I've seen more of Europe than most of my, uh, than most of my American friends have, you know? Okay. Um, and performing in other countries is wild, but that, yeah. that I still do. I still go to Europe. I still go okay. and perform in Europe because they just, they just take to it differently. Like okay. in the poetry community, I'm an old fogey. Yeah. Yeah. And in performance poetry, the po performance poetry world, uh -huh. if I got up to slam the yeah. likelihood that I would win a slam nowadays, no matter how good my performance was is yeah. really slim very slim chances of doing well in a poetry slam. What, what is that? Is that, te is technical ability changed? Is emotion changed? What, what is that? Uh, style, style has changed. Stylistically, you know? like, okay. Like, you know, you know, like when I get on stage, I probably sound to younger ears like classic rock. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, that's you know? right. Like for I me with hip hop, 
my, I think the pinnacle was the chronic and everything mm. since then, my old man ears are kind of like, ah, I don't know. I, I used to like run DMC. I liked Beastie. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, but it's, we're I'm, the last, I'm inversed. Yeah. We're the last era that enjoyed old school hip hop during old school hip hop. Yeah. You know, when yeah. it was new, when it was brand new. That's I right. like to think of, you know, Tribe and yep. um, uh, De La Soul. And all those guys, I like to think of those as, as mid school hip hop. There's old mm -hmm. school, then there's mid school, but like yes. we're getting far enough away from that to where it's kind of all becoming old school. At it, this point. It's a blob. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No. Just, yeah. The it's, there's a decade between run DMC and, or more than a decade between run DMC and a tribe called quest, but probably to the younger generation, they're like, no, that's the same era. Right. But for us, there's right. a very distinctive right. separation between those. Absolutely. Um, so, so in 2008, you started feeling this uh, depression set in. I needed to slow down. So, okay. So is that when you stepped off the road or, okay. Yeah. All right. For, for a brief moment. Just for a moment. brief moment. I, I got off the road. Okay. Uh, and it was just, the, the road was eating me up. It was eating me alive. Yeah. There were points where I'd be, I'd be doing a show um, and I would get, I'd be done with the show and then I would just go and drink and just have a great time with strangers with people i knew wherever and yeah. i'd get wasted and then stumble back to wherever it was i was staying and i'd never done that before that was not me yeah. it was not right. like me to, to be that way and so um i'll i'll remember with the pinpoint of when when the big shift for me was i was in nashville tennessee on election night mm -hmm. i did a show at Vanderbilt University in mm -hmm. Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Weirdly enough, that's where I was taken to when I would, the, a few days after I was born. I was born oh. in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Okay. My dad was stationed there. He was okay. 1920. My yeah. mom was 20, 21 years old. Right. Um, 20, I, th I think. Okay. And um, I, I was born with spina bifida. Um, okay. it's a, a neural tube defect. My spine was all messed up. Oh no. And so, okay. um, uh, and which has dictated a lot of my life, um, okay. in, in every capacity. Okay. Uh, but, but I, uh, Vanderbilt hospital and university, uh, have over since I was born and, and up till now has become sort of the medical forefront of spina bifida study. Oh, okay. Um, which is one of the reasons I was sent there. I was born 75 miles from there by chance. And they were, they were just starting to really get into spina bifida at the time. So okay. they sent me there. Okay. And um, fast forward, 2008, I'm performing there a yeah. few days after one of the last, um, uh, one of the last presidential debates okay. with Obama and uh, was it John McCain? Okay. Um, and I remember performing okay. and then the students taking me out to a restaurant, some burger place. Okay. We're, there's TVs on in the bar, but we can't yeah. hear them. So we don't okay. know what the results are. We don't know what's happening yeah. yet. Uh, but we all want to know like who won the election. Yeah. And um, I get back to my hotel room uh, uh, and I turn on the TV and I had been watching, you know, results coming in before my performance. And when okay. I turn my TV on, CNN was still on. Okay. And on the screen, it just said Barack Obama, 44th president of the United States. Okay. And I just sort of like, sat down on my bed and I was like, okay. Yeah. All right. 
I need to take a break. <laughs> uh, things, things are going to be okay. I need to maybe like do something about this. Okay. I get to, I go to Worcester to stay with some friends because I'm passing okay. through yeah. in Massachusetts. And I, I come into my friend's apartment who I've stayed with many, many times. And he goes, oh, sweetie, you look horrible. Uh, you need a home. And I wow. just like put my bags down and I was like, Bill, you are not wrong. Yeah. You know? And I, I set my bags down and for the next few days, we just talked about like, what would it look like if I decided to move to Worcester, Massachusetts for no good reason other yeah. than the fact that rent is cheap in Worcester. Oh, right? okay. So fast forward a month, right. early December, I'm in Honolulu on tour. I'm in Hawaii. Okay. okay. You couldn't, it couldn't be more polar opposite than yeah, Worcester, yeah. Massachusetts. Uh, right. I'm staying with my buddy, Kealoa, who runs uh, the Hawaii Slam. Okay. And uh, he, Bill calls me from Worcester and he's like, hey, what if I told you I could get you an apartment? Uh, that there's one, I know of one available in my old building. And mm -hmm. I was like, how much? He goes, 400. I was like, Four, 400 a month for, for a room in that apartment? He goes, no, 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 no. no. The whole apartment. Two Two-bedroom apartment, $400 a month. Unheard of out here. That hasn't existed since like the 80s. You know? No, no. Uh, so I told him over the phone. I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm going to be in Worcester in a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll, I'll let's, let's sign me up. Yeah. Tell him to hold okay. it. Tell him to yeah, hold yeah. on to it. I ended up moving in. I moved in Christmas, uh, the day after Christmas. Okay. I opened presents with my family here in San Jose. Okay. And then uh, got on a plane in San Francisco at 1130 that night. Yeah. Flew, landed in Boston the next morning. And uh, my friends picked me up and dropped me off at my new apartment. And it was a fucking wreck. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I, I had, and that, the way you just said that is uh -huh. exactly what I said <laughs> when I opened the door to that apartment. And I was like, oh, dear. Oh, no. It's derelict. What have I done? You know? Yeah. But then it, and it took a little while and a blizzard came through. So I ended up okay. crashing in my friend's basement. I had no furniture. Okay. I had nothing, but I had money saved up because I'd been on the road for so long. Yeah. And so just over time, I slowly filled the apartment with things that I needed and okay. it really became mine. And then I had a friend move in and they took the other room. Okay. And so I had a housemate. So I had company and our yeah. rent was 200 bucks a month. Wow. You know? And it was wonderful until winter came around and then it was horrible. Uh, I, that's my thing. There's so many places that I love that I try to imagine living there, but those places have winters. Right. <laughs> and I go, exactly. I, I, I mean, I'm right now I'm 44 and I, in Northern California and I'm still thinking like, man, maybe, maybe I should be in Arizona. A 44 year old, like, I don't like, I don't even like the damp cold. You know, yeah. I can't imagine a Massachusetts. I can't imagine a New York, um, you know, these Michigan, uh, all these states you hear about like, oh man, they're so charming. They're so charming in the summer uh, and fall. But I don't think I could, I don't think I could take the cold. You know, I, you, you could, I did, you could. but, but, uh, but I'll say this because I had the option of moving back to California. Yeah. I was kind of lured back uh, for a couple of reasons. Okay. Uh, it, it, it was easy. It was, it was, it was an easy move. Cause I was like, well, of course, of course I'll move back to California. That's where I belong. Right. Um, but when you grow up your whole life where you have like 
periods of snow and ice and then periods of 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 warmth and humidity and you oscillate between those two yeah you're fine you know like probably even healthy for you yeah probably i I have some dear dear friends in worcester massachusetts i made a lot of great friends out there and i still want to go back and visit them i still want to see this place that i called home right for for a brief period of time i was only there 18 months okay but i I toured through there so many times right would spend weeks there you know before i ever lived there um but it's been it's been 10 years since i've lived there and I do miss it from time to time. I miss right. the, I miss just being able to have my own space. And that landlord told me as I moved, he goes, if you ever decide to come back, Mike, just say the word, I will gladly rent you another apartment. Nice. Yeah. Um, talk Lenny. to me, talk to me about, so you have family in San Jose. Talk to me yeah. about your family during your time of traveling. Were they concerned for you? Were they proud of you? Were they encouraging you? What was going on there? M- Mike, I'm very lucky. Um, okay. I have a lot of siblings. Um, okay. I'm the oldest of, I'm the oldest of eight total. Wow. Um, but I only grew up with five of my siblings, uh, okay. my sisters, my four sisters and my brother. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am going to pause this. We just had a technical difficulty. I can hear you now. Okay. You we dropped me? for a second. We dropped uh, for a second there. Hold, um, so you, you were, uh, where were we? I think, so we, ta- we were talking about that your sisters, your sisters oh, yeah, and yeah. brothers so, you were raised yeah, with. So I have a number of siblings that I live uh, with here. Two okay. of my siblings were born and raised in Germany with my father. Okay. My father got stationed in Germany in the early 80s. He okay. remarried my stepmother uh, and uh, they had two sons together. Got I didn't it. meet them until 2006. Oh, okay. I didn't meet those brothers until I started touring in Europe in 06. Wow. So, that is, yeah. that's fascinating. So we, we've actually, um, so we've covered a lot there. I think we might be coming close to an hour, but there's still a couple things I want to get to. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so I want to talk to you about producing. Mm-hmm. So as far as San Jose goes, I think it's safe to say um, that you are the, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but you're definitely one of the premier producers for mixed mics, uh, variety shows, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. When did you start producing and what tips do you have for people who may want to start doing something on their own? Uh, so when I moved back from uh, Worcester in mm-hmm. 2010, uh, I moved back because I had an opportunity to produce my first show. Okay. Uh, and uh, I did that. There's a place right next door to Cafe Stritch called Anno Domini. It's a gallery. Okay. And uh, me and my buddy, David Perez, the guy who got me writing poetry back in the 90s, yeah. he and I produced the, we took over the San Jose Poetry Slam and we turned okay. it into more of a variety show uh, uh, that happened to include a poetry slam competition in it. Okay. Uh, it was fun. We had a good time. The show was yeah. called the Over Social Mofo Review. Oh, that's uh, a cool name. Yeah. Um, and we ran that for about two years, but we only did it like once every other month. So it wasn't okay. a very frequent show. Okay. Um, but that was the first show I produced. Then, um, I experienced a lot of loss and like a lot of friends died, uh, oh, no. over the next few years. Okay. So I just moved to, I moved to Portland in 2011. Okay. Then okay. I moved to Bellingham, Washington in 2012. And okay. I just kind of, just kind of disappeared for a little while. And that was yeah. like, 
that was the the hardest period of my life probably yeah um and then 2014 i sobered up and i moved back to san jose okay uh and that's when i started producing shows again okay and i realized because i moved back and i realized that there just wasn't much going on in terms of variety in terms of poetry especially mm. so i got really involved with i joined um there's a nonprofit called called poetry center san jose mm-hmm. i joined them um the first show i started putting on was in my house oh wow kitchen, called kitchen sessions uh, Beautiful. and we which is something i had started in worcester um but i brought it to san jose to see if it would work and it really uh, it caught on okay and i would invite people to my house yeah, uh, and they would they had to pr- they had to pr- uh, perform something brand new. It had to be uh, new. Okay. Um, and so you could do anything you wanted: music, poetry, comedy, you name it. You could just tell a story. You could just get up and rile people up. You know, you could do whatever. Yeah. It was in my, you had to perform in my kitchen, and uh, you had to bring something to share. You had to bring food to share. It was a potluck. Oh, beautiful. And yeah. So it was like let's feed each other through our yeah. eyes, our noses, our ears, our mouths, you know, yeah. let's just feed everybody, you know? Right. Um, and so I still do kitchen sessions from time to time, okay. not anytime soon. Um, <laughs> social distance. Yeah. Social distance kitchen sessions. Yeah. yeah. That'll work. You can invite three people. Yeah. They have to show up in surgical masks and uh, the uh, workers gloves or whatever those are called. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I started doing kitchen sessions then uh, oh, I started running a show called Burning Tale, and it was kind of like it's kind of like kitchen session, but it was more like everyone got ten minutes to tell a story or to read a couple of poems. Okay. And I, I that I wanted that to be really sort of off the cuff, like no no preparation needed. Just come, get up, and and speak. Okay. And the idea we called it Burning Tale because it was kind of like sitting around the campfire telling a story, you know. Oh. Um, and it was in a really really dark room. Um, and that was also a bit of a potluck as well. Yeah. Um, so there was the very public version of Kitchen Session, which we called Burning Tale, and it was at a gallery in Santa Clara. Okay. Uh, and that was beautiful. Like, when that, when that venue closed, everyone was just mm. so sad. They're, yeah. they're just mortified, you know, because yeah. uh, we were going to lose that space to do that, that show. Yeah. Um, and then um, I realized that I wanted to do a variety of competition because I thought there's a lot of good. Um, uh, I started going to Frascati's open mic mm-hmm. um, for comedy. Yeah. And um, got to know a bunch of the comics at that open mic. Okay. Um, and, um, and I realized that we needed something that was a bit more um, crit- critical, you know, yeah. that, would, that, that wasn't afraid uh, a way to tell performers like, okay that was okay but you could do better yeah <laughs> you know? okay uh, and i thought a, a a gong show would be a lot of fun uh and, and your so, go go gong yeah so okay jorge sanchez gave yeah. me one of his wednesday nights at frascati okay i started uh but i told him i said i won't host a comedy open mic i'm gonna host a a, a variety gong show mm-hmm. uh he agreed to it and so uh, I took one of the Wednesdays each month, uh, mm-hmm. February of 2016. Okay. We did the first Go Go Gong show, G O N G. Okay. Uh, and then in um, uh, in four months we outgrew for Scotty. Okay. And we just couldn't fit any more people in the building. So yeah. 
uh, I went across the street because I knew the folks that ran Cafe Stritch, okay. which was my goal all along, but I knew that they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't take a show that wasn't tried and tested, you know, because um, they're very strictly a jazz venue. Mm. Um, and so I, uh, I asked them if I could move the show over there, told mm-hmm. them we were getting 80, 90 people uh, yeah. each month. Uh, they agreed to it and the rest was history. We, yeah. We've been doing it at Cafe Stritch ever since. Um, I then gave that Wednesday night back to Jorge. Yeah. Um, and, but the owner was really bummed out because on my nights, the sales went through the roof. Yeah. Right? So he was just like, what happened? How come you're not doing the show here anymore? And yeah. I explained it to him and he's like, okay. He goes, well, do you want to do something else? I was like, yes, I'd like to make it up to you. Uh-huh. And so I started, um, I said, what, what San Jose really needs is a weekly uh, poetry open mic. Yeah. So, uh, or literary open mic. Yeah. And so uh, I started live lit writers open mic uh, on Thursdays, okay. uh, se- September, 2016. Okay. And um, to make up for removing go, go gone show. Yeah. I now, it's now called the go, go gone show yes. yeah. because uh, I got a cease and desist from the gong show. Uh, oh. saying I, I wasn't allowed to use the word gong in my name. Wow. Um, Those lawyers, they have long memories, huh? I guess that, so. That show hasn't been around for at least, what, nope. 30 years? There's a live, a live version, an authorized live version off-Broadway in New York City. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Yeah. And so they, only, they, can only, they only have the authority and the mm. trademark to do um, – to do the live version. They can't record it. They can't put it online. They can't film it or anything. Okay. And so to, they have to protect their trademark. They have yeah. to protect their license. Okay. Um, and so they have to tell anyone that uses the word gong, you got to get rid of the word gong. You can't okay. use it. I had a funny feeling that that might happen. Yeah. And so I had always planned on calling it the gone show. It's way I better. Had, if I had to change it. So way better. Now it's yeah. G-O-N-E. I like it. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it works. So, um, yeah, we, um, uh, we've been doing the Gong, uh, Go Go Gone show now for four years. Okay. Uh, and it's, it was really weird not to do it this month. It was super strange not to be there. Yeah. You know what? We should probably get into that too. <laughs> so... Uh, well, well, let me, let me finish. Let me yeah, finish, finish. saying <laughs> okay. in terms of producing a show, in terms of yes. putting on well, a show, yeah. it, it's, it's, it, it really just comes down to this. Okay. You look at your community, you go, man, I wish this show existed. Well, if you're a producer, you work on putting on that show. You make it, okay. you just make that show happen. Okay. You don't, you don't wait for someone else to do it. If you can do it, or you know the people who should do it, Okay. You urge them to do it or you urge yourself to do it. Okay. And a lot of it just comes down to making some phone calls or going yeah. into a venue and saying, excuse me, who do I need to talk to about uh, using your guys' stage uh, or bringing an event in here? You yeah. know? And it's, it's networking. It's talking to people and saying, yeah. here's what I'm thinking. Is it a good idea? Would you be interested in it? Here's what's in it for you. Yeah. You know? That's it. Yeah. That's really it. And then it's, and then it just comes down to saying, okay, I know these people who could perform, these people who could perform, these people who could perform. And slowly over time, you start to get an idea of like all the different performers there are available throughout yeah. your community. The yeah. people who could be doing this and being yeah. a part of your event. I don't, I really try 
very hard not to strictly label any of my shows as this is for comedians. This is for poets. This is for musicians because I think that they're all equally important. Comedians might not think that musicians might not think that poets might not think that, but I don't care. I don't care about what they think. Yes. I think it. And so does the audience. Yeah. The audience is coming in there. They just want to be entertained. That's all they want. They want to be entertained. They want to be inspired. They want to be seen. Yeah. You know? And so if, it doesn't matter what you present to them as long as it's good. And I, this is what I will say um, of music, poetry, and stand-up. Poetry is the one I know the least about and I've experienced the least. But I can say with a fair amount of confidence that there's a thread that runs through the heart of stand-ups, musicians, and poets that is the same thread. Yeah. And it's, we want to be heard. Yeah. We're just, this is our instrument, you know, or this is our technique to, to want to say something. Um, and so I think that what you do is actually, um, yeah, it's genius and it's just super inclusive and it's very San Jose, right? I, I have, yeah. I'm not born yeah. and raised in San Jose. I'm a Bay Area born and raised guy, but San Jose, I've been here since I think 98 or, or South Bay since 98. And there is something about the, um, uh, the artistic side of San Jose where everyone kind of knows everyone, it feels like. It's not a small city by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, no. this is a big one million plus population city. Yet when it comes to the creatives, it's, I feel like everyone kind of knows each other or knows of what's going on in the right. scene. But, but I think it's the case because of guys like you and producers um, who kind of see it as, you know, well, okay, here's a stage. How do we make the most of it? <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's, 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 I think that San Jose might be a million people, yeah. but it really is. San Jose really is like seven little towns, Yeah. you know, seven smaller towns, Yeah. you know, seven smaller cities. Uh, there's downtown, there's Willow Glen, there's Eastside, there's Almaden, there's, right. uh, there's Blossom Hill, there's, you know, um, uh, South San Jose, um, uh, Evergreen, you know, like there are these pockets of communities and, and like, if you live downtown, if you live downtown and especially if you don't have a car, Mm. there's, you don't really need to leave downtown. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, if you live in Evergreen, chances are you probably stay around Evergreen. You know, if you live in Willow Glen, you probably stay in Willow Glen. Like, like people don't really, I would say, I bet you could find a study aside from New Yorkers and maybe people in Chicago and people in really huge metropolises, um, really dense metropolises, I should say. Uh, I think you'll find that people, people don't leave a a certain block radius, you know? No, I I would say, I'd say like a 12 block radius is pretty much everyone's like, for me, that's about what it is. Yeah. It's probably about a 12 block radius in every direction, you know? Um, I think so. And so, you know, we, we don't, if you don't have to move around, you don't move around. Um, right. Uh, and so I know a lot of artists in San Jose, but mostly I know mm. the ones who come downtown, whether uh, they live here or, yeah, yeah, or yeah. perform here. I know the ones who come downtown because most yeah. of the venues are here. Right. Why I want to be here. Yeah. This is my epicenter. This is yeah. where I need to be in order to be able to do the things that I'm doing. Yeah, uh, and that makes it a lot easier. If I honestly, if I move to Willow Glen, I'm doing way less shows. 
Mm. I'm, I'm going to be doing way less shows or, or I'm going to do a show in every damn venue in Willow Glen. Yeah. Uh, well, um, I, I, my goal, I want to tackle, um, well, maybe I shouldn't do this on podcast, but <laughs> I, I've been casually going into different venues in Campbell trying to think about um, Jacob Contreras started um, off the hook, mm-hmm. which I, I'm in shock how quickly it took off and has been embraced by the comics. Um, it seems to be busy every Tuesday night that he, um, mm-hmm. since he started. So, and I'm, I'm thinking that we could do more, maybe some more um, structured showcases, maybe another open mic. But you know what's happened with me is I get cold feet because I look at producing a show, whether it's um, an open mic or an actual showcase where I'm paying comics. I look at it as um, like I'm adopting an animal. Yeah. And if I don't really want to commit to it for mm-hmm. maybe not the life, that's a little extreme. But if I don't want to commit to it for 12, 18, 24 months, then am I doing it justice? Um, and then, you know, with, with a family and job, and I don't want to commit to something and then go, oh, this is really hard and then step away. But mm-hmm. I think, but this leads into the next topic, which I think um, you have probably already been thinking about this. Um, the scene is going to need a reboot because ultimately, um, you know, as we speak, bad things are happening financially for everyone. Everybody. Bars and restaurants, I think, are extra vulnerable um, mm-hmm. to there. I, I don't I don't know anything about the restaurant business or the bar business, but I would imagine they're a cash driven business. To go without cash for a week is probably really bad. To go without cash for two months, it's going to be catastrophic. It's death. It's death. How do you think? Business death. It's business death. And we, the performers, rely on, um, you know, obviously the venue. There's Without the venue, there's no performance. What do you think as performers we need to be doing once we can leave our homes? um putting on events okay. um so producing is going to be key one it's if if we're all stuck in our houses for the next couple of months which is what it looks like it's going to be yeah um uh we need to one keep reminding folks that there will be a day where we won't have yeah. to be indoors yeah like there will be there will be an end date to yes. this 100%. as long as we stick as long as we stick to what we're doing yeah. Um, a reminder that we're doing this for very good reasons. Mm. Um, and as soon as we can go out, we have to go out. Yeah. We have to go out. We need to restart. We Double need to time. restructure. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's my personal take on all of this. When, yes. when I realized, when I had to, I got a call from Cafe Stretch and they okay. said, uh, so we think maybe we should probably cancel Go Go Gone show this month. And I was like, absolutely. I was actually trying to reach you guys to mm. say the same thing. And a week earlier, I would have said, no, the show must go on. Yeah. Let's do this. You know, So funny how all our attitudes changed. Literally, oh, within, yeah. it was a three-day period yeah. where I was like, no, I'm going to keep podcasting in my garage. I'm going to still go to open mics. And then I got one news report, another news report. I think it was really Italy. I think America yeah. didn't wake up until Italy started sharing their metrics. And then it was like within... 48 hours, I think our tune, everyone's tune yeah. changed. Well, and I mean, like you look at our numbers now and where we are today as, the, as of recording this, uh, we're, we will hit 800,000 confirmed tonight. 
throughout yeah. the world, right? Um, and so, and most of them are in the U.S. now. Like we're yeah. we were we are doubled. We have doubled China's numbers, yeah. you know. And so it's clearly going to keep going. It's going to clearly going to keep uh, uh, accumulating yep. numbers. Um, and it's sad and scary and weird. And yeah. I can't wait for the day where we look back on this uh, and go, wow, wow, we made it through that. That's, that's yeah. amazing. Um, and, and while we're doing that, while we're saying, wow, we made it through that, let's move forward. Um, yeah. Let's be vigilant from here on out. Um, but let's all, also put on some good shows. You know, and let's be maybe a little bit more, let's be warm and welcoming to everyone we can. Mm. Let's be kind. Let's be courteous to everyone we can when we do those shows. Yeah. But let's, let's also be a little bit more critical. Let's be a little bit more, because um, I think what's going to happen is this is going to suppress the worst of the performers. This is going to say to a lot of those performers, I was, I, I'm not going to make a living off of my, that, that form of expression, be it poetry, music, or comedy, or mm. whatever it is they do. And they're going to find something else. Mm. Let's hope, right? Yeah. And this is also going to give birth to a bunch of new performers as well. Because yeah. everyone's got time. Everyone has the time. Yeah. Or a lot of people, not everybody, but a lot yeah. of people have the time to sit at home and think, what do you want to do to express yourself? Do yeah. you want to express yourself? And if so, how? What is yeah. your plan? What's your goal? What would you like to achieve? It might take weeks, might take months for you to discover that. Yeah. But everyone has the opportunity. Uh, everyone has at least a little bit of opportunity to think about themselves and what it is. So when I went into this a couple of weeks ago, when I first went into self-isolation, I, it, it occurred to me, I was like, Anything I didn't like about myself, anything that I didn't like about what I was doing, mm -hmm. I now have an opportunity to reboot. I now have an opportunity to say, when, I, when, I, when we come out of this, like, mm -hmm. do I want to keep doing any open mics? Do I want to keep doing, do I want to keep doing Go Go Gone Show? Or do mm -hmm. I want to just redesign and do a whole bunch of other new things? Because yeah. now I can. Because yeah. some of my venues might not be there anymore. Yeah. You know? Some of my, you know, you got like, they're not going to open bars anytime soon. Those yeah. bars are going to be, whether we like it or not, bars are going to be the place where people are going to be passing on viruses yeah. more than any, probably more than anywhere else. Lots of fluids flying around the place. <laughs> Lots of fluids in those, in those microphones are, um, I, I had a joke literally in my first two weeks of comedy. One of my first opener jokes was, ah, it's good to be here at, uh, I think it was Woodham's. It's good to be here at Woodham's open mic, or as I like to call it, mouth herpes roulette night. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So what are you, do, what are you doing with your time now? Uh, you just so gave now, me a good, I guess, overly of where, what you're thinking, but is there something like a, something you're actually doing that's keeping you busy? Um, obviously, you're probably still- yeah, Oh, yeah. I mean, writer. like I, I was, uh, the city of San Jose asked me to be on a, a, an arts grant panel. Okay. And so even though, even though a lot of the funding is going to be cut short because yeah. of this, because of what yeah. we're going through, um, they're still giving out grants to arts organizations that applied for them. Yeah. So I was on a grant panel to help decide who gets what. Okay. Um, I, uh, I'm working on, uh, I'm working on a newsletter. I'm working yeah. on, I still, uh, I still do an events column. Well, 
if you can call it that now. Uh, but I do an events column for the Metro okay, newspaper, Art, yeah, Arts yeah. Weekly. Um, and uh, so I've been doing that for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, and just sort of looking into the different sources of, you know, self-employed income that I can bring in for myself, you know, yeah. um, uh, a lot of people have been asking me to do, I think I'm, I think I have a scheduled zoom Instagram or Facebook live performance, uh, every night this week, um, nice. through, through other channels. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about doing a, an event. Okay. Uh, either on zoom or on Facebook, uh, where it's sort of like coffee with Mike. Okay. And folks just sort of hang out and we talk and like, maybe there's a writing prompt. Maybe there's, you know, uh, a game, you know, something. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's more like a hangout as opposed to a, a show. Okay. Um, and it's like everyone in it is equal. There isn't a focal head, yeah. you know, it's, it's everybody's, everybody's coming into it to hang out. Nice. Um, more of a social engagement than anything else. Um, I've found, yeah, I've found these Zooms, like I, I'm with you, like I, I'm always, I'm old school. I like face to face. I like being with people and I've always kind of poo-pooed on the virtual stuff, but man, I, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm here with my wife and kids, but these, these last four or five podcasts that I've done with people, just like, oh man, thank goodness for Zoom and for a web camera. Because I feel so much, I'll feel so much better walking away from this conversation. Not that I felt really bad. I didn't feel, I'm not, but there's something happening where when I'm doing these podcasts, I just go, okay, this is, this is good. And we always say the same things like it's going to go back to normal and um, it's just catching up with people. So yeah, that's, but it's going to get harder before it gets easier. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, because, because here we're, we're, we're we're a few weeks in. Yeah think about the last few weeks. Like, so I, I, we're almost done with March and I, I, I stopped really going out on Friday the 13th. I'll never forget that date. Mm. <laughs> Friday the 13th was my last day where I was like out and about doing stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, as if nothing was wrong, you know? But, yeah. Well, sort of. Um, imagine that times, times five. Imagine, you know, 15 yeah. 16 more weeks of this you know that's it's a possibility because yeah. you look at the look at the i just look at the first date in terms of in china mm. which is what J- january 2nd they started noticing yeah maybe earlier i don't know if it was earlier but probably uh, earlier they probably knew about it a little bit earlier right <laughs> if it hit only, mainstream me- media in in january they probably said oh something's going on around late november december something like that but i don't know, know? speculation well, it is COVID-19, right? For 2019. So it was clearly discovered in 2019. Oh, didn't right? know that part. Yeah, yeah. Never put that together. So I just don't know what date that was that they yeah. started, started recording instances of the virus in yeah. China. But that took them almost four months, maybe, yes. maybe four months or more to just get to a point where they're starting to relax yeah. the, the restriction That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and our numbers are multiplied. Their numbers are, 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 our numbers are their numbers multiplied by who knows how much. Because basically we add 100,000 more cases every day throughout the world, right? And our numbers, yeah. US numbers are going through the roof. So, well, I, yeah, I mean, 
I think Italy's probably maybe Italy and Spain is going to be better compared to the US because we do have a pretty large population over 60. Oh, yeah. Um and you know our whatever our health habits aren't the best and it's yeah it uh you're right. You're right. There it, it you got 100 million people in the US, 100 million people in the US who are pre-diabetic or diabetic. Right? That there that alone is going to make a viral infection rates just go through the roof you know yeah uh, one dead versus a thousand dead it's all bad it doesn't matter bad. what it doesn't really matter what the numbers are but yeah. uh we're lucky santa clara county's numbers are pretty low comparatively yeah. um it looked like we were going to be the epicenter early on because right? we were some of the first ones getting it um but yeah now but see it could be a testing situation i don't really i think we don't have enough testing kits out there um, so it, it yeah. could be, it could be worse from what I know of the few people who do work are, um, healthcare professionals. I think our hospitals and doctor's offices are pretty at capacity right now, they even are. here in the Bay area. Yeah. So, um, they are, uh, it's too bad. So I think that we, um, uh, I think that we're, we're smart to do what we're doing now to stay indoors. Yeah. Um, and you know, and so then when we come out of this, whatever day that is, it doesn't really matter at this point. Hopefully it's this year. Yeah. Um, I am, I'm trying to make the best of it. Yeah. There are going to be days where I do nothing and I just lay in bed. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful for the internet. Uh, this would be a lot harder without it. So much harder. Um, so it's, um, it's a matter of, of, of being grateful for what we have, understanding that this isn't, um, you know, this isn't, we're not out in space inside of a tiny capsule. You yeah. Know? We're not in, um, we're not in, in, um, uh, uh, in total isolation in a prison, you know, right. in a small, in a tiny concrete cell. Yeah. You know? I mean, and for some of us, maybe, maybe, maybe some people are because of their, their living situation. Maybe it does yeah. feel that way for them. And I feel for them. Big right. Time. Um, and if there's a way to, to reach out, um, I suggest that they do. Um, yeah. um, also, uh, my thing is I've been saying is I, I really want us to start going outside at a certain time, everybody, the whole world yeah. go out seven o'clock at night and just cheer, just go outside Ooh. and cheer, Hashtag cheer for the medical cheer for the medical professionals, cheer for the essential workers, cheer for the people yeah. who are leaving their houses because we need toilet paper, because we need this, because we need yeah. that. Um, cheer for the people who are trying to keep us healthy, keep us alive. You know? Oh yeah. The, I mean, the grocery clerks are now the heroes. They're, they're on the front lines of the, the, the heroes and the healthcare all, professionals and whatnot. And the health, healthcare professionals and the emergency yeah. workers uh, yeah. are all uh, the first responders yeah. Uh, they are all, they are all the heroes, especially the people in stores, you know? Um, and it's funny too, because like we talk about how, I think this is going to make us take a hard look at who and why we pay the folks that we pay, because mm. in the grand scheme of things, we don't need a billionaire. We don't need a millionaire to, to do anything right. for us other than give us their money so that we can survive. You yeah. know, like no one human being is going to fix any of this. You know, it's, it's so history is always happening. History mm -hmm. is always happening. And there's something always interesting. 
and there's always something tragic and there's always something noteworthy in history. But then there are points in history. And points in history are what end up in the history books. And this is a big old point in history. And usually if you look at points in in history, um, the people who are the quote unquote, the heroes are the humble ones, are the ones who are putting themselves life and limb at risk and doing selfless actions. Mm yeah, I think right now we look to the healthcare pro- uh, professionals. They're, they're the heroes. I think mm-hmm. anyone in the supply chain right now, um, they are, they're, they're the heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I think probably, well, here's, it could go either way, Mike. It could go either way. Depending on how long this goes, the average um, American, myself included, can go into this reboot and come out less materialistic, less selfish, and um, more willing to put your own needs, interests, and ambitions to the side for the greater good. That could happen. That could happen. Or it could be handled so well that we stay in our homes and we never experience the visceral experiences that the healthcare professionals are feeling, that people who go into the groceries, and then we come out of this reboot and we just kind of go, oh, back to life, you know? Right. So I think it could go either way. Right. And well, then uh, maybe, maybe that's what we should start doing is we should start interviewing those healthcare professionals, interviewing those, those folks who are stocking our grocery shelves, you know, and, and, yeah. and talk to them and say, okay, you're the ones you're on the front line. What's it like for you? What is this like? And what do you want people to know about what you're going through? You know? Um, I'm fascinated by all of this. I think there, yeah. there are moment, there, there's a moment every day where I'm a little sad. And then there's a moment every day where I'm like, so elated mm. in a weird way for, yeah. for, for opportunity, you know, cause I, I'm yeah. wondering like, how is this going to, how, how do we look at, how do we look at privilege with, with, uh, in, in regard to this, you know, how is yeah. this going to change that? How is this going to affect? Cause it's, I call this the great interruption, right? That's a um, good name. Uh, or or the, the great pause, you know, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Um, right. Uh, 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 the, the era of the virus, you know. Right. Um, what does this do for love? I realize, like, I can maybe meet someone on a dating app, but we can't do anything about it, no. you know. I can meet people, but it's not going to really do me any good. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, like, so I, I get to be single through all of this. You know, it's yeah. just fine. I've been single for a long time, but, yeah. um, but it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting what this does for really, um, like for me, I'm, I'm very, my whole life for the last 20, last 30 years of my mm-hmm. life, I have been, yeah. Cause it was about eighth grade when I finally just like opened up and became less of a loner. Mm-hmm. Um, my whole life I've been a, an extrovert. Mm. Um, in my later adult life, I've become more of an ambivert, a little bit of both, you know, I can be an extrovert for only so long. And then I need a little bit of introversion. You know, I need to, I need to, uh, I need to just do my thing by myself. You know, it's not hiding away. It's not, I don't, I don't look at it in as a negative thing. I just look at it as a balance and I need both of those. And so for me, this has been an interesting experience an interesting situation because 
I want to be out there in front of an audience. I want to be on stage. Yeah. Or at least I did that for the first week, week and a half. It was kind of weird because I was like, I'm supposed to be doing shows. I'm supposed to be out yeah. there. Now I'm like, eh, okay. Well, that's, that is another. So for now, my job is safe too. But it's interesting how fine I am with just hanging around the house. And again, it's early in the game. How sure. fine I am just hanging around the house. And I'm even kind of like with, with well. I mean, I have, a, I have a, a wife and kids. They need, they need right. to be provided for. But I'm also kind of like, what? what do, do, I, do I really like this stuff? Do I need this shop? I mean, this is, I don't really need to be going out. This is nice, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, the comedy thing, I'm still itching. I do want to get in front of people. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, that's like, again, like you said, what we should be doing now, if you're a creator or performer, you should be thinking, you should be writing. You should be mm -hmm. doing what you stand up comic. You really can't hone your skills. I mean, no, mm -hmm. people are doing zoom meetings. I should join one of those um, with multiple people telling jokes. Um, the, the podcasting is, like I said, this has been great. Um, but uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's interesting. And for now, I think everything's good. I think everyone's more or less positive and hoping we'll get, we'll get through fine. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as performing, we're definitely going to have to do a pretty significant reboot here in the South Bay to well, retool I'll, things. I'll say this. Uh, the next time I see a poet or a musician or a comedian like at a live show, get on stage and do the same damn material pre-virus, you know, I'm just going to start booing. You Boo, know what? Heard it. You know what? This is a perfect time. Mike, so we've done, um, I think we're on an hour and a half right now. Woo! Woo! But I have a new segment that I've been, I've been a little shy to try. Man, but I don't got to be shy with the, me, bud. Yep. <laughs> but we're in the end of the times, and I know you got the silly streak through you. I'm going to introduce a segment to the podcast, and it might be a good way to wrap things up after that heavy conversation. Um, I wrote some jokes today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you those jokes. I'm okay. going to go through three jokes. What I want you to do for feedback, you can say laugh. Or, okay, here's the three things. Laugh, heckle, or tag. Okay. Laugh is pretty obvious. You like the joke. Maybe it's got legs. Heckle, it's fine. Whatever you want to do, you can boo. You can come up with a creative heckle, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and don't be shy. And then tag. Maybe you don't laugh, but you say, what if you end with this? Or maybe... Maybe I just go back and try and retool it. Gotcha. So, uh, sound good? Yeah. All right. Here we go. So, hey, Mike, I'm homeschooling my kids now. Mm -hmm. There's a number of positives to this. More time with my children. I'm relearning what I've forgotten from elementary school. But the most important part of homeschooling, all you can eat Elmer's glue. <laughs> okay that was good that was okay good. yeah all right here we go so that's a laugh all right yeah um mike we just talked about it tough times my friend tough times but i'm very blessed i'm very blessed i've maintained my health throughout most of this pandemic that was until i saw gal gadad sing imagine now I have ear cancer. Uh, a tag. 
Uh, and okay, I would, here, I, give me a I tag would, and I'll give you a tag. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, uh, I would, I would say tag it with like, cause I didn't respond. I didn't laugh. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I gave you a <laughs> it smile. It was lost right? on you. Yes. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I, I, I got it, but it was, okay. it, 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 it didn't make me laugh. Yeah. But I, but I feel like it might, it could be, it could work. You could build up to a laugh okay. if you just start adding like at a pace, start adding different ailments. You got oh, okay. ear cancer, or or how about blah blah blah? Or I could do that. Blah blah blah. You know, I felt this was weak. I had a pre-can tag. Now I have ear cancer. I wonder what that woman was thinking. Okay. Right, fine. Okay. Fine. I fine. think I that think one. that's no 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 that's I think that's one of those like uh those are, it's a groaner joke. It is a right? groaner. It's a dad joke. It's a yeah, dad joke. It's a yeah, dad yeah. joke. And I feel like if you're gonna do it, go all the way. That right there might be like a three minute bit. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah yeah yeah. Go all the way. Come up with every pun you can think of. Yes. You know. Okay. More like gal, good don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah. That's the winner. Hold on, we gotta get a relax. We got to get some applause going there. Matthew, send some applause. All right, here we go. Last one. Uh, health officials have coined the term social distancing to help combat the rapid spread of a lethal virus. I don't know, I, I messed that up. WHO says social distancing is the key to stave off infectious diseases. I say social distancing is the key to a happy marriage. Yeah, it's good. It's it's cute. It's it's a it's it's a it's a cute. All right. It's a cute joke. Uh, I think your good, first good. one was definitely a, a laugher for me, anyway. Yeah. Uh, the second one, I think that one, honestly, I think it's it's one. It'll only work through the summer. <laughs> oh, it'll only work another week. That's yeah. why. I, that's why I said, oh, this has to go out with Mike McGee tonight. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. The second one, I feel like that one. That one has some legs. I feel like mm. you could. I say work on it. All right. I say, I say, I say, keep, keep playing with that one. Cause I feel right like there's, on. but look at it this way. Like you also may not be the only one coming up with that joke. You know what I mean? I think everything here that I've written today, <laughs> cause it's all on our mind. So all yeah. we could think about is what, what we're doing at home and whatever's going on in the news. And so, yeah, I, I think the people who think outside of the box and outside of their house, outside of their walls mm. uh, and work on comedy that is, really more about feeling and more about um uh experience besides this i think they're the ones who are going to succeed the most i think people who write comedy uh music and poetry that is clearly available to them because they have time to do it in this era but has nothing to do with this era you know that is not it's not commenting on Cause that's all that's going to happen for the, for the next month is just oh, yeah. jokes and music and poems and everything about this. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, there is this, but it's, it's not world of war three. It's, and it, and right. it's not the apocalypse either. Like it's, yeah. it's a weird thing that we can't describe. We're trying to describe it. We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to navigate it. Yeah. But it's, it's, it really is for most people. It's stay home. Yeah. Just stay home. I mean, as hard as that is for people who need to go to work, who need to do this, like I have very little income coming in. I'm not mm. exactly sure 
where, you know, how I'm going to pay rent in June, you know, mm. but June's not here yet. And who knows what will be by that time. You know, I yeah. can't stress out over this because I'm just going to be stressing in the same room yes. all day, every day, you know? So yeah. there's no reason, there's no need to stress. There's no need to fear other than, especially if you're doing your best to not get sick, you know? Yeah. Uh, there are days where I wake up and I'm like, was that a dream? Did I dream all of, did I oh, dream the last few weeks? I, no, I have that. I have that quite is frequently. This real? Yeah. Is this, is this really happening? So. I, yes. That's yeah. been, that's been a thing that's going on. Like, oh, what? No, this can't be, this can't be right. This is, this is just something that's going to, tomorrow we'll wake up and it'll be like, surprise, there's been a vaccine yeah. and we can, distri we can distribute it to everyone. And it's like, you'll go back to work the week after or something. Right. Um, no. <laughs> no, 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 here we are. No. So we support each other, you know, we, support we, each other. we, we, we have, we have video hangouts and we, we talk to each other. We, we keep, we communicate, we keep communicating yeah. and we don't listen to people uh, who are in charge, uh, who are saying things that can only hurt others. You know, I wanted to get your take as a writer. Uh, I, I think it's, we could do a whole other podcast because if I, if I jump into the next, if I jump into the next subject, we'll probably be going on for another, uh, Matthew, 40, but what's you, that? we've got all the time in the world. Got, so, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but here, here's the thing, right? So maybe we, maybe we, maybe we say a bit of fond to do and yeah. then we talk again in a couple of weeks, you know? I think that's what I'm going to do. I've been reaching out. So originally because I was going to move the podcast into my garage and have people over, I was actually cutting back on my podcasting and doing it less. But now that I'm doing this with a zoom, other than it's not as good as really being in the same room with the person. Right. And I, I will have these, we will have these technical things that happen, which is pretty annoying, but there's no reason you can't do one or two or three or four a week, really. So yeah, point. maybe, maybe that's what we do. Maybe we do a check-in, Mike. Yeah. Let's do that because I think we spawned a lot of uh, other conversations that could. Uh, well, also too, this is our first real long conversation. It is. We've had, a, we've, we, we run into each other a lot, but we've yeah. never had a long conversation. Yeah. No, we haven't. It's been very uh, when, surface level. When's your birthday? October 7th. October 7th. So you're going to be, you're going to be 45 this year. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I, I turned 44 in January. So. Well, uh, yeah, I would ask, how's it going for you? But we just covered that. <laughs> <laughs> 44 is great. 40. I yeah. Like 44 it. is great. I, but you know what? I can never, it might be the way I'm wired. I've never had a bad year. It's all been good. And what's even really weird is I still don't feel like a grown up. There's so I, many I know people. That feeling. Yeah, there's so yeah. many people my age that walk around with a lot of confidence, a lot of gravitas. And I assume they have the answers. But I, I'm you know, 44 and I'm still navigating the world. Like, I'm not sure about the, every decision I make. I'm not sure about this. Yeah. I, I look at like Gavin Newsom and the mayor of San Jose, Sam Licardo, yeah. Yeah. and they're in their suits and they're tall and they're professional and they're, yeah. you know, they, they have, they, they know the law and they know these, they know stuff and they're, yeah. they work with cities and councils and, and yeah. organizations and they, 
you know, they can say anything they want and the state has to listen. They can yeah. say anything they want and the city has to listen. You know, uh, they can tell you to stay in your home, you know, and I think, wow, they've only got like five years on us. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like they're super grown ups. Yeah. You know? Like, uh, no, they're probably doing nasty shit right now. It's 9.09 p.m. here yeah. in California, you know? Yeah. They're probably, they're not doing business right now, you know? They're not doing business. Yeah. They're doing daddy stuff. They're know? doing daddy stuff. Or they're, uh, or, or they are really good actors who yeah. are able, or delusional. I think there are some people out there who walk Ooh. around and they, their For answer, sure. what they interpret as answers and the correct way of living are, is actually, it may be working for them, yeah, but, but it's, it's not skewed. right. It's yeah. skewed. I can think of one guy who got like 62 million votes who fits that description. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, hey, you're a good interviewer and I really enjoy being on your show. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, we are going to do this again. Yeah. 100%. I think um, there's a lot to talk about with me and you. Um, but I am going to go in and, and tuck in the kids. Um, so, Mike, you have yourself a great evening. I will. Um, be safe, be healthy. And uh, anytime you want to talk, uh, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. And you got my number. I got your number. Oh, is there, before I uh, end the recording, obviously, um, you know, there's nothing going on outside, but is there anything with the Zoom stuff you want to promote or do people just check you out on Facebook? Um, honestly, just, just check me out on, go anywhere. Just look up Mighty Mike McGee anywhere okay. and you'll right find on. me. If you go to MightyMikeMcGee.com, that's, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm blogging there. I got okay. links there. So yeah, MightyMikeMcGee.com is probably your best bet or just Google me. Right on. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining the podcast and you have a great evening, my friend, and we will catch up soon. You too, bud. Thanks so much.